The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob. If you're interested in keeping your eye health top-notch throughout all of the stages of your life, this is the program to listen to right now. We'll discuss the latest treatments and technologies to help battle vision-related disease, as well as bring you tips and proven methods to keep you seeing well, now and as you age. Here is your host, Dr. Bob Rothbard. Good afternoon. You're on Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob We have a wonderful guest today who specializes in sports vision. He's an optometrist out of Southern California. His name is Dr. Rich Rishko. How are you today, Dr. Rishko? Just great, Dr. Bob. Good. I'm really looking forward to this. I have a background in a lot of the stuff, uh, the materials that we'll be covering, but not as extensive or as detailed as in sports as what you're going to cover. So I just want to get to some really interesting questions that I think our audience will find quite useful. And the first one, let's just give a brief synopsis of what sports vision is about. Well, you know, most people will first of all think about just eyeglasses or contact lenses with sports vision. But it right. goes way beyond that. We, you know, in my field, you have to worry about injuries on the field, how to prevent mm-hmm. the injuries on the field with different eye protection, obviously, and not just prescription glasses. Um, you also a lot of times want to have better vit than normal vision in a lot of sports with a fast-moving ball. Uh, we also, and this was developed many, many years ago, a lot by the Russians and the uh, Chinese and further developed by um, optometrists in the U.S. on being able to get better hand-eye coordination, be better, better reaction time, uh, to improve the overall uh, enhancement, make every function of the eye as good as possible. And you see large, uh, great results with it. Tremendous. Uh, I know you do a lot with vision enhancement training, which is a big part not only in sports, but with kids with learning difficulties. And I'm sure there's quite a bit of overlap. Could you describe some of that to us? Sure. So, in, in essence... The only difference between working with uh, somebody that has visual difficulties or learning difficulties in school is that they have they need the very basic eye tracking so they can follow across the page smoothly uh, to focus for a long period of time and to hold their eyes steady on the reading material to be able to look from the board and back to their paper to copy things off the board mm-hmm. and so they they struggle just with the very basic motions of that. When I start dealing with an athlete, whether it's uh, a little leaguer or soccer player or a high schooler, college or professional athlete, there's different levels of performance we expect. And we, we, we automatically assume if they're good, they usually have pretty good eye skills to begin with. So we're trying to find little areas that they're weak in 
but they would pass a normal test when you do a, a full eye exam. So, for example, somebody may have good tracking for reading, but when they're looking at either a tennis ball or a volleyball or a baseball, they can't turn their eyes in fast enough to compensate for the speed of the ball. But if they were giving time, they can do it. And so one of, one of the things that we try and do in the therapy is we make the activities much more difficult uh, under more stress to mm-hmm. develop the ability of these athletes to be able to make the quick uh, movements and determinations if they're going to hit or miss the ball. Great. I'm going to ask you a question which I always wondered about in sports. It's a little bit off the track. As these getting athletes who are approaching late 30s and early 40s, they, for the same reason we're wearing bifocals by that age, what effect do you feel visually not being able to focus up close or the loss of focusing up close as they approach their late 30s and early 40s deals uh, with the productivity of the athlete being able to perform well. Do you feel that, and the technical term for focusing is accommodation, do you feel the loss of accommodation hinders, and can you extend out or work on that at all as a sports therapist? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, the, the, the short answer to it is that it has a major effect. If you look at the statistics, uh, whether it be a basketball player, a baseball player, a tennis player, a lot of these individuals, from a physical standpoint, are just as good as they were when they were in their 20s. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the accommodative system is giving out. And you'll see, for example, in baseball, the batting averages slowly go down. But when they go on regular tests for reaction time and, and muscle strength, they're fine. The only difference is they've lost some accommodation. And so, you know, give you the example again, even with tennis, watching the ball off the racket, knowing, being able to see the spin, being able to predict where it is, and then to change mm-hmm. focus wow. to see it up close makes a big difference. And with that, because I want to hit, now, I'm going to go off this subject right after this question. Do you feel that with some of the use, if there isn't any astigmatism to speak of with these individuals, that some of the bifocal contact lenses that are out today would help the individuals perhaps with this focusing problem? Uh, I believe there are certain of the progressive type of bifocal contacts, the low-powered ones, mm-hmm. that can do this job. So not every bifocal contact will work. A lot of times they will get in the way of the performance because sometimes just the movement of the lens will make them blurry, then clear, then blurry and mm-hmm. clear. Uh, the the low-powered progressives just give you just enough accommodation that, and they can, and if you fit them a little bit to the tight side, that you can actually improve performance, yes. Oh, great. Well, let's get back to uh, everybody with sports vision. Let's talk about the type of eyewear protection that's needed for these individuals. Oh, that's, that's a great question because the one thing that really bothers me a lot is I will see, whether it be Little League or soccer, um, you know, softball, I see these kids with their street glasses on the field, 
And that's a danger in most instances. A lot of times they have just plastic lenses and they have a frame that can shatter very easily by any kind of high-speed object hitting them. And even though they're considered safety for general eyewear use, they're not safe for sports use. And you can get shards of glass into the eye. Uh, mm-hmm. The difference between a safety glass frame and a regular eyeglass frame is the way they set the lens in there. The lens tends to fall forward and out away from the eye in a, safe, in a sports safety lens, where the way they, they edge the lenses they tend to fall backwards into the eye in dress glasses. In addition, you need what's called a polycarbonate lens or high, uh, a shatter-resistant lens uh, if you're going to be playing a sport, uh, mm-hmm. any kind of sport, the, uh, realistically. And talking about iron cheese, what kind have you noticed with uh, that could occur in the various sports? Soccer's a big one because people think that ball is so big that what kind of injury can it cause? But... Well, can you describe some of this? Well, there have been cases of retinal detachment and orbital fractures of the bones around the eye, uh, and so people can even get double vision afterwards from being, getting a direct hit because the ball, even though it's, it has a certain pressure in it, and just like with, the, with football right now with uh, Inflategate, uh, even a, a higher-pressured ball <laughs> can compress into the eye socket. They've shown, in fact, Dr. Paul Vinger of uh, MIT has actually shown how a ball can compress even though it's bigger than the eye socket and get right into the eye. Big one in racquetball. Yes. Especially, with, I used to remember that years and years ago. I don't think they make them anymore. They just make the racquetball goggles with just the slits without any lenses in front of them. And, of course, you're talking about that ball torquing and compressing. It would go right through. Yes, it does. And, in fact, Dr. Vinger actually proved that using high-speed camera to show how it did it. Wow. Uh, Dr. Rishko, what sports can be improved with sports vision? Any sport. And I mean any. Even, so all we've been talking about so far are Sports with the ball moving, volleyball, tennis, baseball, softball, basketball. But even a golfer, for example, can improve their hand-eye coordination, improve their putting. Uh, In fact, a lot of professional golfers come in to see people like myself to help improve because what they can do, a lot of times they will, for example, with putting. They're always missing, let's say, to the left or they're always short. And you'll measure them, and there are certain measurements that we can make. And you can say to the person, even if you don't know what they're doing wrong, and I do this all the time with my athletes, and they're just amazed. At how, how, have you watched me play? How do you know I'm doing that? But I'll say they, they'll actually perceive the ball or the, the hole closer than it actually is because of a depth perception problem. And so there are activities that you can do to retrain the way the eyes work together for better binocular vision and have a, either a straighter or a more accurate putt. Regarding golf, I just want to touch on this briefly. Uh, golfing, putting, and polarized lenses that some individuals might 
do. Do you find an effect with some of the patients that they have trouble with polarized lenses with putting? Well, it's not necessarily. I think it's any, any kind of sunglass at all. Because when you're wearing a sunglass, and polarized in particular, um, what happens is your pupils enlarge behind mm-hmm. there. You do lose a little bit of depth perception. And so your timing and accuracy, what I found, can be off slightly. And so it, it is an, an issue. Um, there, uh, if you notice, a lot of the pros, they will take their glasses, sunglasses off when they are making a shot. They'll put them back on when they're walking around. Uh, I, I can think of a few that keep them on all the time, but I do feel that that does affect your performance. Yeah, and uh, by the way, do you golf yourself? I am a golfer. God, I actually I uh, played a little golf uh, in college and in high school. Well, I gave it up. I mean, I even got custom clubs after a while. I was just afraid I was going to kill somebody. <laughs> you know, I can hit the ball, but I actually hit somebody with a duck hook one time where I wasn't supposed to be golfing in a field. And the ball, it was you know what a duck hook is? Oh, yeah. She was carrying books. And that's just where it hit her. That thing could have really done some major damage if it hit her anywhere else. Yeah. And so, I mean, I enjoy the sport tremendously. Uh, I enjoy watching it, too, but it just takes so much time. And there is a tremendous amount of vision that I know goes into golf. What we're going to do, uh, Dr. Rishko, is we're going to break right now, and we're going to go over the sports vision examination that you do, normative values, uh, that uh, for athletes and so forth. I think we'll have a real interesting discussion during the next section. You are on Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob. We'll be right back. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. If you are in Southern California, visit Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center. Dr. Bob started his practice more than 25 years ago, providing high-quality vision care to his patients. Some of our patients and their families have been coming to us since the very beginning. Visit our website at RanchoEyeDoctor.com. There you can click on the Testimonials tab, Video tab, and Blog tab. If Dr. Bob feels that the care a patient needs is beyond his scope of practice or knowledge, he can refer these patients to specialists to make sure the patient is receiving the best care possible. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center is part of the local chambers of commerce in Rancho Cucamonga, Upland, and Ontario, California. Our wonderful staff is very knowledgeable and friendly. We welcome most vision care plans and can help you find your vision plan if you're unsure about your coverage. We'd love to have you come in. Visit RanchoEyeDoctor.com or if you're in Southern California, call us at 909-980-3535. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center, 909-980-3535 or RanchoEyeDoctor.com. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob Rothbard. To reach our show, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or you can send an email to ranchooptometric at verizon.net. Now, back to this week's edition of Vision Talk Radio. Okay, you're back with Dr. Bob on Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob. We're with an optometrist from Southern California, Dr. Rich Rishko, and we're going to get back into the whole thing about sports vision. And, doctor, how is sports vision testing different than a regular vision examination? What are you exactly looking for? Okay. So, typically, if a lot of these athletes, you know, if, from what I've seen through the years in dealing, especially the high school and the college athletes, have actually never even had a routine vision exam, which is kind of a new, you know, you would kind of wonder about that, but it seems to be more the norm than not, whether it's because they come from disadvantaged neighborhoods or whatever, I, I couldn't answer that question. But, what, so if somebody has not had a routine exam before, I will go through a routine vision exam first. I want to make sure that they don't need a prescription to see. And I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later also because visual acuity is different. For, we need it different for a lot of athletes compared to, uh, you know, reading or just mm-hmm. driving a car. Um, we want to make sure their focusing is good. The eyes are healthy. Um, we want to make sure they have good accommodation, good virgins regions, or being able to relax the eyes together, be able to turn them in together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to make sure they can sustain that for a long period of time. So we want to measure all those things first. Now, assuming they've already gone through that, and typically most athletes will pass that, other than the visual acuity part, then we go on to a next level. And basically, uh, most of the tests have been developed uh, through the Olympic uh, training program over in Colorado Springs with a number of optometrists um, uh, that were going over there and working on different techniques with the athletes. Together with that, and in fact, uh, the American Optometric Association has a manual uh, that actually is broken down. I've, I've actually helped in sections of that uh, in, in writing it, where it'll, it goes by just about every sport that is in the Olympics, and it has all the criteria. What are the actual visual requirements for that particular sport? And what, te- what are the best tests to do and what are typically the best activities to do to correct it? So it's a great little resource. I myself, coming from a background with working with a lot of uh, children that had developmental learning disabilities that were vision-related, a lot of times we were getting people coming in saying, you know, you know school's getting a little bit easier, but... All of a sudden, my son's being able to hit the ball. He can never catch a ball. And so you start looking at, well, what techniques were working for those things? So the testing itself then, going back to that, because I got off on a tangent, what we're looking for is how quickly they can turn the eyes in, 
how quickly they can relax the ice to look far away again. How well can they see when they're running? How well they can see if they're turning? Um, do they maintain binocular vision when they're turning the head or, it's in their, if they're in an unbalanced position? How well can they focus and can they focus just as well at the beginning of a match as, as well as the end of the match? So we have a whole battery of tests that we take them through that put the eyes under a lot of stress at much higher levels. So they're still doing vergences. They're still doing accommodation. They're still doing, uh, you know, seeing. But we want to see, can it hold up when they're under a stressful position? And a good example of that, especially since I came up through school being an athlete, is when I was in very difficult situations, all of a sudden my peripheral vision seemed to shrink in size. And I only saw the guy defending me. Uh, let's say, for example, when I was playing basketball, and I could, didn't know where to pass the ball. Didn't know what was going on at the time. But when I got into, into the sports vision, I found out, well, a lot of really good athletes have the same problem, except for mainly your superstars, your really top guys. They seem to be able to go at a much higher level uh, before they break down and lose their peripheral vision. So, Again, we use a number of tests that we put the eyes under a lot of stress and see, do they hold up under that stress? If they do, it's a good sign that visually they're working probably as good as they can. And if there's other areas that need to be addressed, it's probably their mechanics or possibly their psychological uh, motivation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because the vision alone is not going to make or break an athlete. It's definitely a piece of the puzzle, but it's not the whole thing. Right. You know, I, I keep on thinking of certain situations, like I think it was Theismann who had a compound fracture when one of the uh, uh, defensemen on the Giants tackled them. And you kind of wonder when people, especially a quarterback, is under stress and under the gun, they're going to lose periphery when you're under stress in some regards. But with sports vision, are you going to be able to maintain more of that periphery? It might close down, but not nearly as much. Is that yeah. what we're hoping to deal with also? Absolutely. And that's one of the things we try and do is if an athlete can do an activity at one level and he does it well, then we'll add something else on to try and distract him. And as, as he does better on each level, we keep adding more and more things to distract him and we, to the point until they can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, there's a uh, doctor, which you may be familiar with, named Dr. Pepper, of all names, um, mm-hmm. that actually worked on this back in the 1980s uh, with different stress activities, just doing basic eye exercises, but putting the person under a lot more stress and making sure they can do it. And he has a whole step-by-step approach to being able to do this. God, you know, and what's really interesting about this doctor is a lot of these techniques, a lot of this philosophy of vision uh, that uh, you support and use, this, a lot of this was developed in the 30s and 40s. It had its infancy way back there with individuals like Skeffington and so forth, you know, passing our names here. That these guys correct. were tremendous, and they had such, or psychological optics, or the coordinated classroom by uh, Daryl Boyd Harmon, we're dealing with stuff that has been around for years, but the applications, there's always new applications of it to be used elsewhere. So I find that that's what's so interesting about all of this. 
I was and very fascinated with that, yes. Especially how vision is developed through Skeffington. I mean, it's tremendous. Uh, one of the things I want to go over with you, are there normative values to know how the athlete's performance compares to others in their respective sport? Yes, there is. Um, but I will say that the, there, with a asterisk next, next to it, is that the standards that were made were done on athletes that were of high-level caliber. Mm-hmm. Okay, most of the most of it was done at the Olympic training camps with with Olympic wannabes and ones that actually made the Olympic team, and they did thousands and thousands of people to standardize what the norms are. Now, you, so in essence, to get what a, a younger player should be doing, what a high school athlete should be doing, what you know your day in day out amateur in their twenties and thirties and forties and fifties should be doing, you, you do have to extrapolate a little bit. And so you have to go some norms of from what is the normal value you would expect just for the baseline readings, and then you take it for a high-level athlete, and then you have to interpret a little bit for those. So when I work, I work a lot with uh, Cal State University Northridge Athletic Department, and uh, basically I use the Olympic level because they want – a lot of these athletes want to go to the next level. So we give them a goal to reach. And so we base our norms for them based on the Olympic Training Festival norms. And, you know, if they're below that, we want to get them at least to the level of that. You know, high schooler, uh, you know, a top little leaguer or a top soccer player in club soccer or AYSO, Obviously, we're expecting a lot less, mm-hmm. but we hope that they're going to develop up the ladder because obviously their reaction time is not going to be as quick. Uh, the neurological development's not fully there yet in a younger athlete. And then, you know, with somebody in their 30s and 40s, we have to deal with the accommodative system, which you asked earlier about. Can you fix that? You asked about contacts, but you can also do it with eye exercises. Right. And you can extend the amount of time that they have the focus ability. You can't stop it forever, but you can actually buy a few years, um, you know, by doing certain visual activities with them uh, to improve that. So, there, so especially if somebody has a hard time putting contact lenses on or off, uh, you're able to do something like that. Yeah, uh, you know, I just amazed because you can do this. And for the general public, too, they can postpone what they call presbyopia uh, with certain types of training and so forth. Doctor, when you're looking at the results, what are these results actually you can tell what you kind of alluded to earlier. You can tell a lot about the athlete from what your uh, uh, the results of these tests. That is correct. In fact, when I first started working with Northridge, uh, one of the things that amazed the coaches, which I alluded to earlier, also, is I could just look at the test results. And I'll give you an example: we, uh, a baseball player, for example. That mm-hmm. this is years ago, but I kept looking at the results and. Everything that I saw was saying, if he goes to his left side, he's probably making more errors to the left side than to the right side. Um, and the coaches were just, how do you know that? Have you been to our games? No, I've never been to a game. 
They said, well, because this particular test, which I used, was the Brock string, which is, mm-hmm. it's very simple. It's a string. You, you know it, being your training. Of course. Uh, it's a string with, some, with little beads on it. And what we're using it for is to see when they, when they turn to look at something, are they still using their binocular vision? And this particular athlete, basically, he lost his binocular vision every time he turned to the left. And wow. So, he turned the head to the left. Yes. Or, no, turned his head to the right, but he went to oh, his left. I see. Okay? So, uh, you know, basically what the coaches ended up doing is moving him to a different position uh, because, I, I, you know, one thing I, I typically won't do with the college athletes is I won't do any training during the season because I feel you can cause more harm than good. So mm-hmm. we always do it either preseason or off season with the athletes. And, Doctor, I'd like to come back to that after the break because it's so interesting and I don't want it cut short or in half. So we'll be back. You're on Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob on voiceofamerica.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you or does somebody you know face an ongoing battle with addiction? Our nation's drug problem is getting worse as we spend billions on the judicial system. It's time to fight the demand for drugs and not the supply. Listen for I Took the High Road with host Jacob Jansen, who has experienced both IV heroin addiction and recovery and is now here to both help and educate you with his story and engaging guests. There are great resources available for recovery, and there is hope. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. If you are in Southern California, visit Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center. Dr. Bob started his practice more than 25 years ago, providing high-quality vision care to his patients. Some of our patients and their families have been coming to us since the very beginning. Visit our website at RanchoEyeDoctor.com. There you can click on the Testimonials tab, Video tab, and Blog tab. If Dr. Bob feels that the care a patient needs is beyond his scope of practice or knowledge, he can refer these patients to specialists to make sure the patient is receiving the best care possible. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center is part of the local chambers of commerce in Rancho Cucamonga, Upland, and Ontario, California. Our wonderful staff is very knowledgeable and friendly. We welcome most vision care plans and can help you find your vision plan if you're unsure about your coverage. We'd love to have you come in. Visit RanchoEyeDoctor.com or if you're in Southern California, call us at 909-980-3535. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center, 909-980-3535 or RanchoEyeDoctor.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob Rothbard. To reach our show, please call in to one 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. 
or you can send an email to Rancho Optometric at Verizon.net. Now, back to this week's edition of Vision Talk Radio. You're back with Dr. Bob. We have optometrist Dr. Rich Rishko. Uh, doctor, I got a question for you. You brought it up about the Brock string, and some of our audience might have trouble visualizing what we're actually doing here. Be that as it may, it's really interesting because there are certain baseball players who have a certain zone where they're really good, whether the ball is high and outside, low and inside, right down the middle. Uh, describe this and how you're testing might actually also, in addition to the fielding that you brought up before the break, how this might affect their ability to hit maybe in more, hit more effectively in greater zones. Okay, that's a great question. In fact, it's, it's really a multiple answer to that. And this Good. goes for any f- sport with a fast-moving ball. So I was talking about that Brock string, which is just a string with beads on it. And when you test it, Typically, a person should see almost double vision if it's done correctly, um, mm-hmm. except for where they're looking. And I can tell by moving it around to their right, to their left, up or down, and if, the, if any of the strings disappear, I know that all of a sudden they've lost their depth perception and binocular vision. Mm-hmm. So for a baseball player, for example, and this could go with volleyball, tennis, any fast-moving ball, even soccer, I will put them in their, let's say, batting position. And I'll put that string there and as if I'm the pitcher. And they're looking down the string to me. And if they don't see the two strings, we know they've lost their depth perception. They're not going to be able to pick up the ball very well. They may be able to see it, but because they've lacked depth perception, they're probably typically miss it either high or low or be late or early on the, on the swing. Mm-hmm. So we'll actually, in training position them to make sure they can see it. And an interesting sidelight, you'll see kids today that still tilt their head a lot when they're batting. If you put this string up, you get an unusual double vision where one one bead looks higher than the other. Mm-hmm. And so is the person going to hit the top bead or the bottom bead or the ball? And so this is a mismatch that the brain has to try and decide what to do. So in essence, the string is... Is the Brock string is twofold in that we can measure things, but we can also use it for training to teach them where to look. And that makes a big difference and get their, their batting position better, to get their head, their posture, and better balance. And it's a wonderful technique to improve batting. Now, I said it's multifunctional because that alone is not going to help. Uh, you know, it's already been shown that, you know, a baseball, you know, a 90-mile-an-hour baseball, uh, bat-to-ball, first of all, bat-to-ball is about .28 seconds. A 90-mile-an-hour fastball takes .41 seconds to get to the catcher's glove from 60 feet out. Mm-hmm. You don't have a whole lot of time to react if bat speed is only .28 seconds. you only got .13 seconds to decide if it's a ball that's going to be in the zone, is it... Is it a fastball? Is it a slider? Is it a change-up, a curve? You don't mm-hmm. have a whole lot of time. So I was talking earlier about the vergences and the speed and the focusing. Right. You need to have all that to be able to hit a ball, or tennis ball, volleyball, or, or baseball, uh, you know, with those kind of numbers. Now, one of the things that's important, and it's in, uh, 
with kids, whether in sports, adults for that matter too, is a lot of times they figure, why can't I do something? So when you actually point out a reason for this, just that in itself is like a relief to the, to the patient. They say, God, it's not my fault. There really is something here I can hang my hat on and possibly train. Mm-hmm. And that to me is really psychologically important for the patient. Oh, it's, it's great. And when they know something is going, you know, that there's something that's correctable, it's, it's different if it's not correctable. Exactly. But when it is correctable and, and they have the motivation, and that's a very important factor. I, ha- I do have uh, athletes that they know something's wrong, but they don't have the motivation to do anything. They're, just, they're happy to be just mediocre and mm-hmm. not get any better. But for the ones that really want to improve and we can find a reason and improve it, it makes all the difference in the world. That's true in anything with individuals who want to be mediocre and ones who want to excel. Uh, Dr. Rishko, I understand that you have uh, coached a lot of uh, youth sports. Uh, did you use vision enhancement training on your team members? And if so, what kind of results do you get with them? Absolutely. In fact, um, in, in, I've coached soccer and I've coached uh, baseball. And... Uh, Typically, the, te- the teams that I've had have been either winning the league or right there near the top every single year. It doesn't matter what team I had, what group of kids I had. Every practice we would do, uh, I would actually bring in some eye therapy techniques that I work with the professional and college athletes. And that would be part of our warm-up drills before we would get to a regular practice. And, and a lot of times, you know, a parent would come up to me and go, what are you doing? I go, well, you saw your child is always hitting late on the ball. Well, there's a reason for that. And they'll go, how do you know that? And I'll bring out, for example, that Brock string. And I'll say, okay, this is what I expect to see with this. And I'll bring it out. And sure enough, the child will show me exactly what I predicted the parent. And all of a sudden, the parent says, okay, let's go with it. And mm-hmm. uh, so even, even the least athletic of my players ended up being better than usually the middle-of-the-road players of the other teams. And that's what made the difference for me winning games and not winning games. That's tremendous. And sometimes uh, what you could do is sometimes demonstrate it to the parent that says, God, you can't do this test? Sometimes the parent can't do it either, but that's beside the point. And uh, what type of results have you achieved at the university level? Very good. Um, statistically, I'll, I'll talk about volleyball just to get on a different subject because we've been talking a lot of baseball and tennis and bat, you know the others. Um, we we had some very good statistics. We we actually for a number of years had put together a program where even the volleyball team was doing eye therapy as part of their warm ups. They had each of them had stations to go to. We had like five stations set up, and one was you know quick change of accommodation. One was a focusing. One was balance, and you know separating vision from balance using your inner ear, uh, you know so on and so forth. And fortunately, we had a number of upperclassmen, so they were able to get statistics from the two previous years, and then the the years that we started the program. And with the exception of one player. And I'll explain that one player in a moment. Um, with the exception of one player, the kills and the digs, which are you know different stats that are kept in volleyball, 
went up by an average of 30% from the previous years. The one that didn't go up, it just happened that the, the individual had a lazy eye, uh, which is an eye that is perfectly healthy, but you can't get the vision to 2020 no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. It won't correct with glasses, with contacts, with sometimes it won't even correct with eye therapy, though this individual had never had eye therapy. And he was the only one that did not improve. All the others improved dramatically. And, it, and in those years, the, the volleyball team was doing very well. It fell off a few years later because of you know, state budget cuts in California. Uh, training staff became limited at the school, and uh, uh, they weren't able to do the uh, in-depth training that we had been doing previously. And so the stats went back down again. So very significant differences there. And, Doctor, did the, uh, did the patients or the participants, I should say in this case, did they come to your office or do you go to them to perform the training? Are we talking about the collegiate athletes? Let's talk about the uh, collegiate athletes. Okay. Those we did at the school because their schedule is so tight because of, of the schooling and the practices and travel. So basically, in our program at, 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 at Cal State Northridge, I teach the trainers how to do different therapy techniques. And we keep it limited because they don't have a lot of time to work with the athletes. Mm-hmm. And so basically when we do the sports physicals, uh, you know, this is when we'll, we'll do some of the uh, testing on the athletes in just a very brief way to see who needs further uh, further work, and then I'll send a list to the, to the trainer and say, this is the activities this individual needs to do. This is the activities the next individual needs to do. And so they will get them, and they will work with the, with the athletes and, and show them what to do and uh, teach them how to do it. Uh, it's not as controlled as I would like it to be, but, again, because of funding and, thing and other uh, uh, problems, that's the only way we can do it with the collegiate athletes. With your high school, with your your younger ones, with your you know Saturday afternoon golfers and tennis <laughs> players, there we do in office. And it certainly does uh, make a difference. And when you're doing it in an office, you probably it's a lot more customized it, than if yes, it's it done is. by the trainers at on the university center. Correct. They can only do the very basic activities. I mean, if we had a program at the school where we had somebody dedicated, a trained vision therapist, which they are out there through the College of Optometrists of Vision Development, right? Uh, you know, you could actually do wonderful things, and we'd probably see even better results than what we get presently. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Uh, and that's why people cannot really do this therapy on their own, because I have seen on YouTube and on, on, on the web where there are, um, you know, showing you how to do some activities. Mm-hmm. But what I've come across is this. There are a lot of ways to do the activities incorrectly. And if you do it incorrectly, you could embed an improper thing, and your performance may actually get worse. So having somebody to watch over you and know when to use prisms, when to use different lenses, uh, which we use a lot in vision therapy, 
mm-hmm. when to know to back off and go to an easier technique, or if they can't do a technique, what technique do you need to go back to to make it easier so we can graduate them to the next level? Or if they're too easy on one technique, what can we do to make it more difficult, like I was talking about earlier, in making, you know, making it so they can do it under higher and higher levels of stress? That needs to be some, under the guidance of, of either a trained therapist or a, a vision therapy doctor. Exactly. And not every optometrist or ophthalmologist is a vision uh, therapy doctor, for sure. That is and Doctor, we're going to be coming back after the break, and when I'm going to be wanting to discuss with you contact lenses versus glasses for sports, and is there one type of contact better than the other? So we'll be back. You're on Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob on the Voice of America Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. How many times have you heard this? I'm sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. You are what you eat. I've tried every diet. Diets don't work. It's time to stop this kind of madness and start thinking and feeling empowered to change your health. Tune in to The Raw Truth with Chef Sharon Fraser. Join us weekly for thought-provoking conversations with world-renowned experts in the food, medical, holistic, sports medicine, chiropractic, and naturopathic health sciences. The Raw Truth airs live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. If you are in Southern California, visit Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center. Dr. Bob started his practice more than 25 years ago, providing high-quality vision care to his patients. Some of our patients and their families have been coming to us since the very beginning. Visit our website at RanchoEyeDoctor.com. There you can click on the Testimonials tab, Video tab, and Blog tab. If Dr. Bob feels that the care a patient needs is beyond his scope of practice or knowledge, he can refer these patients to specialists to make sure the patient is receiving the best care possible. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center is part of the local chambers of commerce in Rancho Cucamonga, Upland, and Ontario, California. Our wonderful staff is very knowledgeable and friendly. We welcome most vision care plans and can help you find your vision plan if you're unsure about your coverage. We'd love to have you come in. Visit RanchoEyeDoctor.com or if you're in Southern California, call us at 909-980-3535. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center, 909-980-3535 or RanchoEyeDoctor.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob Rothbard. To reach our show, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or you can send an email to ranchooptometric at verizon.net. Now, back to this week's edition of Vision Talk Radio. You're back with Dr. Bob. My guest today is an optometrist, 
from Southern California, Dr. Rich Rishko. And, Doc, we're going to uh, go off just for a second uh, from the sports uh, vision and training. When you're testing a lot of individuals, and especially that you're testing the binocularity of the individuals, the coordination of the eyes, the peripheral vision, have you come up uh, with some way you have actually discovered a possible infection or more than an infection, an infirmary where, which is life-threatening to this person? And have you been able to basically almost save their life or had a tremendous effect on their life? Absolutely. Uh, fortunately, not very often. But uh, one example would be somebody we were doing an exam on, and, uh, you know, they wanted to play better tennis. And uh, I'm doing the normal checking the health of the eyes part of the exam and discovered a tumor in the eye. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, Basically, it ended up being uh, something that uh, they used radiation, uh, and they caught it early enough that uh, we were able to save the guy's both his eyeball and uh, uh, possibly his life. Um, we've also had somewhere we've done the visual field, mm-hmm. uh, where we saw some funny readings on the peripheral vision test, and uh, lo and behold, they had like a tumor in the brain that was pushing on the optic nerve. So, yeah, there's been times where we've been able to uh, pick up uh, items that we weren't even looking for. We were looking for sports, and something else came up. So important. Uh, so let's get back with the sports. And what about contact lenses compared to glasses for sports, Doctor? Well, uh, there is a time and place for glasses in, in sports. And, and that's for people that either have total contact lens intolerance or have such an unusual prescription that it would be very difficult to get them to wear a contact lens. I, I'm, I'm sure you remember years ago, you always see, you know, like in basketball, somebody on the floor looking for their contact lens. That doesn't happen too often anymore now that we've gone away from the gas permeable and hard lenses more to a soft lens. And, you know, the, the bad part about soft lenses years ago is the vision wasn't quite as good. Whereas nowadays, uh, a lot of the contact lenses have fabulous vision. The other aspect with glasses compared to contact lenses is this. Glasses, you're very good vision typically in about the central inch of that lens. Mm-hmm. When you get to the periphery, you can get a jack-in-the-box effect, and it throws off your peripheral vision. It can throw off your depth perception, uh, especially for, let's say, an older athlete that has bifocals, that bifocal can get in the way of playing basketball or tennis or anything, um, uh, for that matter. And so they may have to have a special pair of glasses just for that sport. So in, in my opinion, as long as possible, contact lenses are your choice because you have fabulous peripheral vision, which you need in most sports. Uh, nowadays, with the with the different lenses, you can get very good vision and good comfort, and it's it's very rare that it comes out. And the bonus to it is, I've seen a lot of lacerated corneas, which is the front surface of the eye, mm-hmm. um, and that contact lens does protect that cornea from being lacerated. A lot of times, you may get a lacerated contact, but it, it's like a little extra safety. 
And that's something I never thought of with the contact lenses, but absolutely. And on that score, is one brand of contact lens better than another, or are they all the same? They're definitely not all the same, but is one better than the other? Absolutely not. So I can have, and this is, uh, a lot of people are in the misnomer that, oh, you know, my, this is my prescription. You should be able to wear any contact lens. Mm-hmm. That's so far from the truth. I can put the same prescription with five different contact lenses on a person's eye. One may feel comfortable. One may be totally irritating to the eye. And a few others can be, well, they're okay. Vision-wise is the same thing. I could have that same prescription with those five different lenses, and one person may be able to get better than 2020 vision, let's say 2015 vision, mm-hmm. uh, which for those who are, a lot of people get confused with that, 2020 is just a measure of a, a certain size letter 20 feet. A 2015 letter, the easiest way to explain it is that's what somebody at 20, uh, somebody that has really good eyes can see 20 feet away, even though you should only be able to see it at 15. So they can actually get farther away and see a smaller letter. And so these contacts, some can make you see better, and some people may only get 2025 with with one of the other brands, even though it's the same prescription. And it's all under part of it must be the tears underneath that lens that's affecting some of these people, and they're not all the same. One lens might be better for a certain person than another lens. Exactly. So one may not work on one person, but may work fabulous on another. And this curve, everybody's eyes curved a little different. Uh, you know, the lenses have different thicknesses. So there's a lot that goes into the fitting of contact, especially for the athlete. That's great. And, uh, Doctor, we're going to end it with this. We're coming up really against time. Uh, are there different contacts or glasses that you prescribe, or do you prescribe differently for s- sports than you would for the general person off the street? Yes, I do. And since we are low on time, I'm just going to use baseball as an example. Um, basically, if we have a top-level athlete and they're playing a lot of night games, I may purposely overcorrect their prescription Ooh, uh, because of both night blindness, being looking under the lights, their pupils being larger, and they do see a little bit better. Now, they don't wear those during the day because it will fatigue the eyes, but during the athletic performance, it becomes very important. And so there are other variations de- depending on uh, what the sport is and what I'm trying to get them to see. So let me ask you a question, doctor. Have you actually prescribed two separate sets of contact lenses to a patient? We're really going to end on this because we've got less than a minute left. Uh, have you actually prescribed two different prescriptions for a patient depending on when they're actually going to use them in sports and during the day? Uh, well, we do it all the time. It's just wow. a matter of they have their normal wearing contact lenses, and then they have the ones that they practice and play in. That's tremendous. Dr. Time was much too short for this, uh, for this session. It was a great topic, Dr. Rishko, and we're so glad that you were able to join us on Vision Talk Radio, Doc Bob. Boy, Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob. Thank you very anyway, much. Anyway, I really appreciate it. I really, uh, really enjoyed it and learned quite a bit. We'll be on next week. Looking forward to it. Have a great week. You've been on Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob on the Voice America channel.
Thank you for tuning in to Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob. We'll be back next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week. We'll be right back.